Hey everybody, Brian here with After the Hype in our final hiatus week. This week, I gotta be honest, it's the best movie ever made. That That's just the way it is. Anyone who disagrees with me is wrong, and I, I, I'm sorry, but allow us to educate you on why it is the best movie ever made. Of course, I'm talking about Terminator 2, Judgment Day, uh, far and away my favorite film of all time, and I was really, really excited to save it specifically for episode 100, which was a big milestone for us, and I was very, very excited to get there, and little did I know I'd still be doing it this many years later. So taking a dive back into a wonderful episode where we talked about a wonderful movie, and it was just a really, really good time. Uh, I hope you all enjoy it, and then after this, we're back at it, guys. We're coming back. We're coming back strong with our very first episode back being Aquaman. The fact that I've had to wait this long to talk about Aquaman is killing me. I cannot wait to talk about that movie. And then the week after that, in preparation for the Godzilla movie coming out, we got Shin Godzilla, which I personally have not seen yet, so I'm very excited to watch that. And then we have from Demon Days, Mr. Johnny Wrecker coming on to talk with us about it, which should be a whole bunch of fun. Um, oh, I didn't even say for Aquaman. We have former co-host Mr. Ryan James piping in from Canada. It's going to be a really, really good couple of weeks, and I'm excited to talk about it. And then after that, we have a whole bunch of changes coming. Now, I know changes are scary, but this time, trust me, it's going to be fine. So, be sure to enjoy this episode. Be sure to go check out Demon Days, the actual play D&D podcast. Be sure to check out Venture Brothers every Monday. Be sure to check out Samwise. We have so much going on at ATH, you don't have to go anywhere else for entertainment. We could own you like Disney. All right, I'm going to be done with my shots at Disney here at some point. Probably won't. But anyhow, enjoy the show. This week we're joined by Brad, who has not been out in a super long time. Super long time. Um, and Ryan is back. Hello. I've been out a lot lately. You have been. So this week, as I've been mentioning a lot, we are in our 100th episode. Woo! Woo-hoo! It took a long time to get here. Like 100 episodes or so. Yeah, you know. Well, really about 99. 100 weeks, yeah. give or take. Yeah. 100 weeks spread over a few extra weeks. Yeah. yeah. Give or take. And we took a few weeks off here and there. Yeah. yeah. But we made it. Um, and we're all alive. Congratulations. Yes. yes. Can we yes. just say, I mean... Do we get to cook cake? They always have cake when they do 100 episodes or something. Or yeah, champagne. It's in the kitchen. Don't worry about Where's it. Where's the champagne? Yeah. It's all in the kitchen. You can't have it. We're drinking it after sh- you guys leave. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna get we got the champagne right here. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so the reason we have uh, Brad on this week is when I went through all of my episodes, I had three guests, not counting Chewy, who's just not here, who are on the most episodes. And it was really just, I had to pick out of those three guests who are on the most, who would be the best fit for this film. I think Brad was probably the best choice. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, like I said, you made me a little nervous when you asked me. I do love this movie, but I don't know the terminology as much as you guys do. I feel that's part of the reason why, because I figured if it was just nothing but fanboys, it wouldn't be as interesting. Okay. At least that, that was my theory. We'll see if it we'll pays off. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out when you get all these terrible reviews because yeah. of this shitty guy named Brad. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the movie. Uh, okay, so we'll start with where have you been doing. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to skip the elephant in the room because I'm sure John will talk about that one. No. You're not talking about it? No. Oh, well, then I guess I just will talk about it. I saw Jurassic World. Uh, I was going to talk about Orange is the New Black, but I have only seen a few episodes, so whatever. Yeah, so I saw Jurassic World. 
Um, I went in with very, very, very low expectations because it's Jurassic World. Yep. It's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. The, uh, the cartoon dinosaurs were a bit of a distraction and it was kind of annoying. But when the practical ones show up, they look great. Um, but it was, a, it was the first time since the first one where it felt like the movie was having fun. Yeah. Like, they attempted to do it in the third one, but it just everything fell flat. Yeah. But, like, this it, one, it really felt like they wanted to have a good time with the movie, and that was very much appreciated. That's and it didn't great. feel like they were, like, they had to make this to kind of, as a moneymaker. Like, oh, we have to make a sequel. Oh, we have to make a third one. Yeah. This is like, we want to make another one and try these cool things, try yeah. these ideas. Let's have some fun with it. Oh, yeah. Let's have some fun. Let's do this. And uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard have surprisingly good chemistry. Like, they play off each other really well. Um, I was shipping them so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, I, I can't really say much bad about it. I mean, there's, there's problems with it, but that's like every Jurassic Park movie. Right. But it's whether or not you're on board. No. Yeah. And I do like that they, they do have a throwaway, like explain it with a line of dialogue, why there's no feathers on the dinosaurs. Because people have been getting very upset. They're like, well, it's been proven they had feathers. And it's like, well, shut up. It's Jurassic Park. Excellent. Um, but no, I mean, everyone is in it great. The special effects that are there are good has that same sort of problem that a lot of movies these days do where it feels like they're not finished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, but from what it was, it was great, and I, I had a lot of fun seeing it. I'll probably go see it again. Awesome. Cool. Let me know. I haven't seen it. I'll see yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Cool. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, so <clears throat> I've had some time to myself this whole week, being home alone, and I decided to watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm. I remember you were talking about it in an earlier episode, and I was like, you know, I should check this out. It's, they're half-hour episodes. I'm sure I'll breeze through it in one evening, and I did. <laughs> and it is is great. It's, yeah. It it hits all my sen humor sensibilities. Uh, I didn't expect it to be as ab like weird in terms of like the dialogue and all all the things that Kimmy says, mm -hmm. which was actually really great because that's the part I really liked a lot. Just she, the odd random thing that she would say that just was so out of left field. Like the and, like the uh, what was it like 2029 called and you've wasted your life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or, or yeah, or even like isms that didn't make much sense because they're just uh, misappropriate. Like just all that sort of thing, which is really right up my alley in terms of dialogue. Yeah, and it is almost weird in a, a way that I think I prefer over something like Thirty Rock, which is weird and has its quirks. But this had a little bit more of a off the beaten path mm -hmm. element, which I thought really worked for it. Well, I, I like that it feels like it's 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 exactly what it wants to be versus like mm -hmm. you know like every other TV show that's out has to be what the ratings and those, you know, what everybody else wants it to be. But this, you know, like, it's Tina Fey doing, I think, exactly what she wanted to do and didn't really care what anybody else thought. Yeah, she wasn't handcuffed by NBC, which no. if they had bought it, it would have been a very different show. It would have been a there, very Yeah, different. there are a lot of elements in there that make made me appreciate that it was on Netflix versus NBC because there's a lot of choices that are just very particular. And mm -hmm. some of the, you know, group like NBC... They don't really favor particular or specific. It's kind of... In, I mean, they really let her do whatever she wanted with 30 Rock. They I, really did, yeah. I mean, But she, that one never was a big ratings cow, so it's no. kind of... I'm surprised... I'm not surprised they kind of went, yeah, we're not going to take you. Yeah, and even, take this on. And even yeah. her cameo, Tina Fey's cameo in there as, like, the oh, lawyer... I about it. was hilarious. Right. Yeah. The only thing I didn't quite, you know, in terms of, like, the plot arc, kind of the thing with being locked underground and that kind of being forced as a, an arc throughout the whole thing, or kind of bookending it, I could have, you know, it was whatever. It was fine. But John Hamm yeah, is was, hilarious. Yeah, he's really good. Like, that kind of saved it. But it did feel a little... Uh, that part wasn't as engaging as her being in 
New York and kind of being just that weird kind of sheltered girl in New York. And I think uh, I think the show did a good enough job getting it all out of its system. I don't yeah. think it'll be a big thing in the next season. Yeah. Because well. it feels like the show at the very end hit its stride, too. Like, it's a show that was kind of finding itself. Yeah. I actually don't mind that in terms of a show. Like, you need that first season to kind of figure out where you fall in terms of your beats and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I had a real good time with that. It's a fun show. It's a fun show. Um, so I haven't really seen a lot much lately because I've been traveling a lot, but the one thing that I did just finish is Amy Poehler's audiobook, uh, Yes mm. Please, which is pretty hysterical, um, mm. and also kind of sweet and fun and touching, and I wasn't expecting it to, I, she, she never really divulges in sad stuff, but she, you know, you can tell she's very genuine about, like, her passion for the people that are in her lives and things like that, and... You know, she has a lot of really great things to say about, you know, TFA and just anybody that she's ever worked with. And, you know, there's tons of stuff about Parks and Recreation from beginning to end and um, Saturday Night Live. And it was just, it was very interesting, very fun. I mean, and just listening to her tell these stories, you know, like, it's just really kind of fun. That's yeah. awesome. Is it only an audiobook? No, I mean, you could buy the book. Oh, okay. Um, if you want to read. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't read, think people but I don't, do that anymore. People don't do that anymore. No, I, I mean, um, I don't have, I don't own the actual book yet, but... I was looking for something to listen to while I'm on planes and things like that, and I was yeah. like, oh, this will be fun. Um, and I like that she narr I mean, most audiobooks now, is whoever writes it usually narrates it, I guess, mm -hmm. at least for, like, the... For nonfiction. Yeah, right, for nonfiction. Right, okay. yeah. Um, that makes sense. You know, like, Tina Fey does hers and yeah. blah, 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 and everybody else. That but, sounds really cool. Um, yeah. But just hearing her stories and her inflections and, right. you know, her excitement and then her muttering under her breath, you know, at parts that, you know... And you can tell there are parts that aren't cannot possibly be in the book because mm -hmm. she has guest people on that are oh, on with her. So, I mean, she has Seth Meyers on reading a chapter with her and um, her parents are on a chapter. And hmm, That's um, awesome. So it really is a, a unique experience outside of reading the book. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I think I, I talked uh, in a past episode about catching up with uh, Marvel Comics using their... You did. Web service, but uh, now I'm in the thick of the summer event, uh, Secret Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, it's definitely teaching me a lot about the the past of Marvel because as I'm you know looking at all these new titles, uh, some of them I'm reading and enjoying like Future Imperfect, and then I didn't realize that was a, a title from the '90s, a Hulk title. So I went mm -hmm. back and read that, and that was a really good two book series, really short. So I'm, Old Man Logan uh, is another one they're revisiting. Really, all these the tie-ins that they're doing, like uh, the, the the basic setup is that the Marvel universes have collided and formed this like post-apocalyptic world called Battle World. Yeah, I was gonna say Battle Universe, Battle World. Battle World, and I guess there's it's like the, a, is it the same Battle World from the original Secret Wars or is it no, okay. no, I don't think so. Uh, that was is that uh, Battle World 2.0? Yeah, yeah, um, that had more of a spacey vibe, right? Yeah, this is more of a disjointed. Earth, kind of like okay. so. There's different zones, and they, they appear to have walls, although we haven't really seen much of the barriers yet. So, there's like a zone where there's an old man Logan. There's a zone where uh, Planet Hulk is like not revisiting the um, the story where he goes into space, but it's a, a zone where everybody's an Incredible Hulk, and they have to carry out their lives like like normal. Hmm. Um, some of my favorites, uh, Future Imperfect was really good. Um, there's an interesting one called. Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, where they're telling a story about Peter Parker, Mary Jane, and their child together, uh, all living as a happy family. Who's their child? Is it May? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. And th 
I'm curious to see where they go after this because they're talking about piecing together the, the Marvel Universe again. So they're going to take little elements from all these different... They said every tie-in will have at least one element that carries over to the surviving Marvel Universe after this event. Uh, but some of them, like, don't really make sense. Uh, obviously, the <laughs> Secret Wars uh, main books are about uh, Reed Richards and, like, mm -hmm. how they're going to get out of this sticky situation. Um, all right, but we should move on to today. The reason that we're all here... The reason we are gathered... I I'm hesitant to even name the movie. I was so adamant last week about not ever actually saying, saying the name of the movie that we're here for. And just, well, we should just get right into it. Taking yeah. some calls, see if people just, like, could guess. Yeah. Hello, long-time yeah. listener. Yeah. Uh, First-time caller. First-time caller. Yeah. Everybody would say that because yeah. you've never taken callers. <laughs> Long time, first time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think the movie is Goonies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're doing uh, Avengers three, right? Yeah. Uh, Avengers three, Civil War. Is this Groundhog Day. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll just I'll just come out with it. So today uh, we're doing my favorite film of all time, which is Terminator Two: Judgment Day. I totally guessed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, you uh, gave me access to the list. I did. I did. It's been on my my list for a while now. So anyone who's actually been on the show should yeah. be able to see what it was. But the clues were indecipherable. But I had co-host privileges, so yeah. I was able to look it up. Yeah, especially last week's clue. Last week's clue, for those of you who don't remember, was basically uh, the T one thousand is the only Terminator who doesn't have any first person Terminator visions. I guess you'd have to know what movie the T one thousand is in. I guess that's yeah. I guess that's true. But yeah. I mean, you guess that. Well, he's probably not in the first one. Well, probably. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it's a big number. Yeah. It's too big of a number for the <laughs> first one. Too big for the first one. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this was what, early 90s? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the time of like the 1,000 or right. 5,000. So, well, and you, yeah. would, you would probably guess Judgment Day first just because it is kind of the biggest one, the right. one that is the most like pop culture entrenched. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure if anyone had thought that my favorite movie of all time was Terminator 3. Uh, people might have a bit of a problem with They should podcast. have called in. They should have called yeah. in and we could have laughed at them. Yeah. With this with this phone number that we magically have. Yeah. Send us an email. Yeah. Next I should have just been calling and saying yeah. I know it's Terminator 3. Yeah. <laughs> Rise no. of the Machines, everybody. Yeah. And then we're all like, oh. He loves that movie. I have seen it a lot of times. But that's fine. You know, that's on me. Uh, <laughs> no, Terminator 2. Uh, so this movie came out uh, 91. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Yep. A long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I did not see it in theaters. I will tell my, my story of seeing this movie after you get done with these numbers here because I think, actually, I think that's how I'm going to start it out. I want to tell everyone's first encounter with this film because it's our 100. <clears throat> it things right. a little differently. Uh, but so, yes, yeah, so this movie came out in 91. Uh, cost $102 million, which was the first film ever to cost over $100 million. Wow. Uh, which makes sense when you look at who directed it. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> James Cameron kind I of sense an expensive deal. future for this guy. <laughs> yep, right. Or it might have been the first R-rated film to cost over $100 million. It could be. Maybe. That, that makes more, a lot of sense. That sounds more correct. But, okay, so it, uh, U.S., it made $204 million. Uh, worldwide, it made another three hundred. ended up at $500 million. That was just theaters? Yeah. That's amazing. In 91. In 91. So it was a flop. Yeah. <laughs> In 91. It could have done better. Yeah. An R-rated film made half a billion dollars. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. There's something to these R-rated films. Yeah. <laughs> that has something to, be, to these Terminator pictures. I mean, at the time, that has to be one of the highest grossing movies, right? Oh, yeah. It wasn't until uh, The Matrix came out that any R-rated film uh, beat it. Hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, that was only eight years later, but still. Took eight years. Yeah. Took eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. Especially nowadays, because nowadays every movie's getting beaten like every other year, except for fucking Avatar. Yeah. Um, Which, well... And it, that rain will end eventually. 
probably, Avatar 2. It'll probably end in December with Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That could be big. Yeah. Like, no. Unless it's Any, bad. Unless it's bad, even and if, then it will not. No. Even if it's it'll bad. Well. Even if it's it'll bad, because never underestimate the power of the fan. That's right. I mean, even if it's bad, it'll do well. But if it's great, it could beat Avatar. If it's bad, sure. it won't beat Avatar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll start with uh, how we all came to this movie, and then we'll do the breakdown. <sighs> all right. Um, my first time seeing this movie was in an Applebee's with my parents. It was on a TV in the background. And it was muted, and all it had were those like uh, those close like captioning? the close captionings made by like the people, like, <laughs> right? Plate. So, in that very little format, in a TV <laughs> in the corner in an Applebee's, I watched the entire fucking movie. I did not let my parents leave the restaurant wow. because I had to finish that movie. And on the way home, I made them stop at Blockbuster so I could rent it and watch it again the second I got home. Awesome. I've seen this movie more times than I've seen movies that I have personally made, which if you've ever made a film, you know you watch those movies until you can't look at them anymore. Um, but that was how I came to it. Uh, Josh? Uh, so my memory of it is in actually in high school. Because uh, I grew up fairly sheltered, so I didn't get to see a lot of movies of the, mod- the current time. So in high school, I had a friend just give me a bunch of movies to watch. You know, among them being like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and all those. And then he mm-hmm. gave me these, these movies, uh, Terminator and Terminator 2. And the cover art wasn't very great. So I'm like... What is this? He's like, trust me, trust me. And I'm like, what, what, what? Like, just watch him. So by myself at night, you know, because I had a computer for the first time, I put it in the little DVD player that could now just suddenly play DVDs Ooh. on the computer, and I watched. It was blown away. The first one was like, wow, this is great, this is crazy. And then he went back in time, and he's the father. Oh my god! And then I saw the second one, and that kind of blew me away because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be that much better and that much of a action-packed wonder yeah and it was the best kind of singular experience of that time for me so i mean i don't i know i saw it when i was young but i feel like the first time i actually got to appreciate it was when we moved in together Mm. in beginning of college um because brian and our roommates would go through stages of watching every series like every i don't know trilogy Trilogy quad whatever yeah we watched aliens and we watched that was, that's a rough watch. <laughs> that was. Um, but I do remember watching this series once. Yep. And I had always enjoyed, I always remembered liking the second one, but not actually appreciating it until we watched it again. Yeah. That time. And then you had to watch three and four. And then I had to watch three and four. <laughs> that, that, those three and four actually kind of help you go back and appreciate it even more. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, of course, I mean, I love James Cameron, so I'm like, yeah. I don't know, he could film paint drying and I'd be like this is the best paint drying yeah. ever <laughs> it's not original but yeah. it's great <laughs> um, this is one of those movies for me that I honestly cannot remember the first time I saw it mm-hmm. uh, it's like so many movies like um, from my early childhood Who I grew up with a only older friends and a cool babysitter so uh, Star Wars Terminator Robocop Predator all these movies like are just so ingrained in my childhood as these action movies. I love Indiana Jones is up there too. Oh yeah. Um, I remember uh, though very distinctly these, these were the days of VHS. So we had a copy of Terminator One that my mom had taped for me from cable. So it had all the <laughs> the violence and curse words edited out. No little Hamilton boobs. No little uh, Linda Hamilton. Um, so. Oh, yeah, it had Linda Hamilton totally edited out. <laughs> no Linda, no Hamilton. Linda Hamilton boobs. But I um, know that like, it's, her boobs are just really out there. <laughs> yeah. in this movie. But uh, 
And then Terminator Must 2, we had e either from the video store or taped from uh, uh, HBO or something. So my mom would sit there and would, like make me close my eyes during the particularly violent uh, T-1000 deaths. So uh, I didn't see those until high school, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Two short clips of the movie. But yeah. I always loved it. Uh, I mean, even watching it now is so much nostalgia for me. And like... <laughs> uh, when I was watching it last night, I was like, oh my god, John Connor is a little kid in this movie. I remember being a little kid and thinking, wow, that kid is so old. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like, oh, I'm so going to be him someday. Yeah. And now he's just a child. That, he uh, <laughs> that says it all about how yeah. old we all were when we saw the movie for the first time. John Connor was an old man. Yeah. <laughs> cool old man. Absolutely. Now he's kind of like he a dorky awesome. kid that I'm like... I was kind of a twerp. I watched it and I'm like, yeah. wow, you, you dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. I have so much to say about that, but I'll wait till we yeah. start yeah. talking about that acting. Um, all right, so Brad, I have bad news for you. Uh, you have to break down the film. I had a feeling I was going to have to do this. Yeah. Uh, the bad or news is that you only have 45 seconds to do so. That's fine. <laughs> or I make fun of you. Is So essentially, he uh, Brian's got a quiver of insults that he's... Uh, specifically crafted for such an occasion that one does not... How much detail, I mean, just a summary, right? Just a very, yeah, brief summary, as long as we understand what happened. The general just is like, I'm, as, long as, we, as long as we feel consecutively yeah. that there's not, or kind of collaboratively that there's not a part that's missing from yeah. the breakdown. I know I'm going to get made fun of, because I'm going to have the terminologies all wrong. No, the term oh, terminology, you don't get yeah, docked yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, it's want. mainly getting the idea like of the whole movie across. Yeah. Okay. The, the great news is Brian has the Wikipedia page open right now, and he's editing it with all of your words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be great. Synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here we go. Uh, 45 seconds starts now. So the movie starts with the, I guess, from the the... the Terminators are being sent back into the past. Um, there's a, a Arnold, and then there's the T-1000. Mm -hmm. um, and they're both trying to find John Connor, the bad guy is T-1000, trying to kill him. Um, and Arnold is trying to protect him. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, you know, they both find him. There's big fight scenes. And then they escape the T-1000 and go to find his mom, Sarah Connor, who's in an insane asylum, break her out. And then they try to, Sarah Connor wants to kill the guy who creates Skynet or the computer and all that stuff, but then she can't go through with it. And so um, they try to blow up the entire place, and uh, which they succeed at, I guess, and then have to kill off the T-1000 at the very end. Not bad. Yeah, that took the full 45 seconds, but I think he got it. I would say he got it. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you cannot fling your insult arrow today. Yeah, mine you can't give me an insult. No, no, no mine, mine wasn't very good this week, so I'm, I'm kind of, you kind of did me a favor. Okay. <laughs> it was shoe related, so it was really not shoe good. <laughs> yeah, it was really not that good. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get started with this thing. Um, honestly, I think the best place to start is where a lot of us would have attached to it as a kid, which is just starting right with John Connor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John Connor, the kid with the coolest hair. Oh man, he cool hair, cool, cool hair. bike, cool hacking skills. He's got oh, it all. Yeah, yeah. This he was the kid of the nineties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I could not be more excited to be anyone but him. It's like, man, I want a credit card that could steal money. I it's, know. Um But for all it's worth, I actually think he doesn't do that bad of a job in the movie. He actually he does a great job. And I think as a kid I I want uh I wanted to be him, but now I can just like admire the balls he had in that role. Like, oh, yeah. He just went for it. It's oh, kind yeah. of an interesting journey because, yeah, you start kind of being like, oh, he's such a cool, cool kid. But then at a certain point, 
I was like, oh, this, this, I don't like, the, I don't like this portrayal. He's kind of whiny, and uh, but then I've come back around to feeling like he's actually got these skills that he needs to survive the apocalypse, and they do, they do a good job of portraying it. But there was a little bit of a time there where I thought he was kind of an annoying twerp. He is kind of annoying. He is, but like in a way that, that kind of took me out of his parts of the movie. But here's where I'll, I, I mean, I'll start blowing this movie as I will throughout this entire <laughs> thing. But uh, open up. <laughs> The thing that I, I think is so great about John Connor, and it really comes back to James Cameron writing the character, is he did such a good job writing this character as a kid who will eventually be a leader yeah. because he has to put on a show. Yeah. And that's all John Connor does throughout the beginning of this thing. He's playing the tough kid. Like, the, I don't give a shit about my parents. I'm just going to rev my bike engine at him. Yeah. And then as soon as something actually like legitimately happens, he's crying. Mm-hmm. Like, they do such a good job making him like way more than just like this kind of like two-dimensional, like kind of, eh, he's a kid with a robot. Like, he actually has so much just, like, depth and character to him. And giving that sort of part to a, was it a first-time actor, or? Really, It was was introducing Edward Furlong. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. like, that's a ballsy fucking move. And Mm -hmm. Edward Furlong fucking ran with it. Oh, yeah. He was really good. I will say that after rewatching it this time, I did find myself siding with the foster parents, where I was like, this kid's a little bitch. (laughs) I'm like, come on, (laughs) they're taking him. Like, of course, when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, he's cool. Yeah. He's 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 he's, yeah. he's he's going against the man. But in this I was just sort of like just clean your room, just asshole. Clean your room. Right? Get inside the house. It's like what? It's like what? 40 sec- like 40 minutes. These people Tops. are taking you in. Yeah. Taking care of you and you are being a little bitch. Well, his mom fucked him up pretty bad when he was a kid. I know. Yeah. I mean, just imagine having that for a mother. Yeah. I know. You're going to be the leader of the world. Right. <laughs> Don't mom, fuck this up. You have to stop the robot army. <laughs> uh, I just want to watch Sesame Street. <laughs> there isn't time. There won't be a Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> big bird will be big chicken. <laughs> But I did find myself siding with the foster parents for a little bit of it. You know, I, I honestly think that's just a, a product of your age. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I got old and I was just like, come on. Well, kid. and that's that's interesting. Like, not a lot of movies have this kind of thing where you're you're kind of altering how you feel about certain characters based off of where you are in life when you watch it, which oh, gives this movie a, a, an interesting rewatchability factor, which mm-hmm. I didn't kind of realize going into this 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 new vi- this repeat viewing. Like, I felt differently about a lot of characters uh, in the side and. Altogether, just throughout, just based off of where I am in life now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you go back and watch The Goonies, which I'll save my opinion on The Goonies for a later podcast, but you go back and you side with the kids. It's like, oh yeah, I'm one of the kids, I want to be there the whole time. You don't side with, like, the criminals. It's not like, yeah, fuck those kids, just kill them. Yeah. Like, this one, you you go to this one, it's like, oh, you can find your, when you're a kid, you're going to side with John Connor, because he's the kid. He's your entry point into the film. But as an adult, you can see where Sarah Connor's coming from, where you can see where the, the parents are coming from. And she, yeah, she, like her, suddenly all her points are very good, even yeah. though she may have gone about them very weirdly. All her points make sense, and you're more kind of siding with the idea of what John Connor has to become. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, let's get you, let's get, let's let's tie, let's guide you. You know, like there's kind of yeah. more of a guide. Like you, ha- you suddenly kind of side with the adults trying to help him yeah. versus being like this brash, rebellious kid that you've always wanted to be. Yeah. Kind of to just take over the world and be this great enigma. Yeah. I guess I didn't really think about that much as a kid, like what John Connor, you know, he's preparing for this role as the war leader or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I think this movie, as a kid, you, yeah, you don't notice it. Right. But like watching it now, like they do a really, really good job setting this up as yeah. this kid 
you can buy this kid growing into this. Well, yeah, and you do see the art because at the beginning of the movie, he has this badass kid who's all talk, and then suddenly shit starts to go down. Yeah. And he he's sort of like, oh, wait, people are going to die. People, you know, like, things are going to get blown up. And he's like, no, you can't, like, this can't happen, you know? Yeah. Even down to controlling the Terminator, like, you can't kill anybody. Yeah. yeah. Promise me you're not going to kill anybody. This, yeah, is, this is the kind of the staple of everything I'm all about. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's the introduction to it, which is Be- actually... I thought it was a really great scene. Yeah, because that badass kid mm-hmm. would be like, you can almost guarantee that if he was talking to Butnick, I don't remember the actual yes, character I know. name. But, yeah. yep. uh, but if he was talking to him, he'd be like, yeah, I don't give a shit if people die, whatever. Yeah, like whatever. Right. You do, you, yeah. That's why he's all talk at the beginning yeah. of the movie. And then things start to actually happen. He's like, oh, this shit is real. Yeah, yeah. he's about to see. shoot this guy just because I said, get rid of this guy. I don't remember yeah, exactly right, what right. he said like to the fucking jock. But he's yeah. like, like, it's such a good just like moment of like, this kid understands Re- what what the, what the, yeah. what the Terminator is capable of, and, yes. and that and to that, I, in this viewing, I didn't re- I didn't remember just that, yeah, he's dealing with a weapon, a tool. Yeah, a, a, he he has to like he's learning this kind of, I have to use tools and weapons in this war. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's not a person. I have to control. I have to watch what I do. Right. Like yeah. there's this weird kind of realization of responsibility mm-hmm. and all that that I didn't remember in, in the first you know yeah. first yeah. viewing. It's mm-hmm. definitely in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those little kind of forgettable scenes, but mm-hmm. it's fucking great. Like, everything about that scene for me is phenomenal. That was definitely what made this movie kind of a cut above. Having a young person in it and then having a lot more humor. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely worked mm-hmm. really well. Um, I think we should move on a little bit, uh, and I think we should just move on to, the, I think, personally, I think the next logical choice, which would be Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I still, for my butt. So buck, many muscles. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. She is but like, you, I forget every time before watching, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, Sarah Connor's in this, and then I see her. And I'm like, she is ripped as shit. She's fuck. She got ripped for this yeah. movie, mm-hmm. like unbelievably ripped. And mm-hmm. it's weird because I, I I really remember the first movie where she's this kind of like chick vibe, like yeah. very soft. She's got she very made soft a huge features. Change. Oh and yeah. And this is just so like surprising. Like mm-hmm. I was really bl- like, <laughs> I was very surprised again. I don't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be. But yeah. like the muscles are just so defined. Oh man. And. For my buck, she's still one of the best female characters ever written. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's so fucking great. I mean, James Cameron does know how to write a female character. Yeah. I think she, like, I think people have emulated Sarah Connor. Oh, yeah. Like, she's the, the person who is locked up, who you think is crazy, but she really knows everything, and she's really had it all together this whole time. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's a common character. And then, and it and, is, and, yeah. And they make great, they take great lengths to give her the method to her madness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that, like, and I, again, it's, it, it's funny, like, I don't remember a lot, of, I didn't remember a lot of her part in all this, because you remember, like, John Connor and, like, all the fun moments, but, like, she's got this methodology down and kind of, she's going, she's doing her route, she's trying to stop this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that scene where she's in that kind of dream sequence mm-hmm. is so good. Mm-hmm. I forget, like, it's so sharp and, like, startling. Oh, yeah. And I forget that. I forgot that. There's a lot of this that, from her perspective, that I'm just like, wow. That sequence used to freak the shit oh, out of me as a kid. Like watching her like yeah. turn into a skeleton on that yeah, fence was everything horrifying as a child. And it's kind of so far as, as far as I've seen in my limited movie going experience, <laughs> the best kind of depiction of like a parental agony of just not being able to be the protector. You yeah. can only watch as things mm-hmm. unfold outside yeah. of your reach beyond this gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great scene. Like it is. 
Not a single scene is wasted in this movie. They're all great. No. And that's part of why I'd rather say, like, watch the version on Netflix or if you can, if you pick up, like, the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Just watch the original theatrical release. Because, like, the other ones that come out have, like, yeah. these fun things in them. Mm-hmm. But they also have things like, have you ever seen the, the very end of the film? Where it shows Sarah Connor uh, 20 years in the future and she's wearing her old lady makeup? Not at all. Wow. No. Good choice to cut that scene out. Yeah. It is ridiculous. I feel that in general about a lot of deleted scenes is like there was a reason why they were deleted scenes yeah. I don't mind them never being in the movie yeah. yeah, there's very rarely a sequence where I'm like that should have been in the movie why, why wasn't that there right is the one on Netflix an extended no no, no okay. that's no. the original I remember they're seeing like some more scenes of the foster parents and stuff and they were all good yeah. cuts um, there's only one that I kind of wish was still there but it, it, it just takes too long to get to where it's going and it's mm-hmm. kind of pointless but whatever we'll talk about that when we get into the Terminator um, but no more about Sarah Connor uh, I love I love that this film is such a standalone sequel, even with a name like Terminator 2, mm-hmm. Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. If you never saw the first one, you don't, you don't need to at that's all. That's right. Um, it's nice if you do, and especially after watching this one and going back and watching that first one and then seeing where she was before this. Mm-hmm. They do such a good job making her... She was such a, a dependent. Like She just needed help. She needed Kyle Reese, that whole movie, and she was just sort of like, meh. This movie, you really kind of get the feeling that even if the Terminator wasn't there, she'd probably still do pretty fine on her own. Yeah. yeah, just taking care and of. And in fact, she was already on her way, almost out the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the time everything went out, I out mean, of her. quite really, the only reason she didn't break out on her own was because the Terminator was in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really that's the, really it. Yeah, that's the only thing that stopped her from getting out on her own. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> the only thing we really haven't mentioned was just Linda Hamilton' performance. Yeah. It, she stepped it up a notch. Yeah. She did. I mean, she's she, the like in the first movie, you're not given any kind of indication from her acting. Like she's just kind of the typical kind of female she's, survivor in a horror film. Yeah. She's kind of '80s movie babe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, she was there as something for the man to protect. Mm-hmm. Right. And she did great with that part. She was fun in the movie. I, I liked everything about that first movie. But her performance and everything about her in the second one was that much better. I remember thinking. Uh, Sarah Connor was so badass when I watched this as a kid. I'm like, I want to go learn how to pick locks with a, a paper clip. Yeah. I, I want to have a secret gun stash in Mexico. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> and to that aside, it's great that in this that they've, you're never, we're never really, as, as dudes, we're never really gazing at her. Like, yeah. I, I made the joke about, we made the joke about the, the boobs and the muscles and all well, that. Well, that's but the first movie. Uh, but like, like I said, that's when she was the babe. I'm, right, right. But, like, but like, they divorced from that immediately in this movie and we want to actually... I, we want to be her in terms oh, of yeah, her, yeah. her strength and her power and her vulnerability, especially the vulnerability. Like we, like we're not looking at her; we're aspiring to be her, which yeah. is oh. a very strong move. Oh yeah, when I'm especially talking about that time period. So when yeah. I'm talking about how cut she is, it's not like, ugh. It's like I'm jealous. She is so much in better shape than I could ever be. Yeah. <laughs> she will kick your ass. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And she kicks a lot of ass. She <laughs> does. That poor guy. Like, if you ever. Uh, if you do get a chance to see like the super HD version of this movie, when she hits that dude in the face with the broken broom handle, oh, yeah. the amount of detail they put into that guy's <laughs> face is ridiculous. His teeth fly out of his mouth. <sighs> Alright, well, continuing with the trilogy of characters, we should move on to Arnold. Mm-hmm. Let's I, move on to the guy um, made for this role, put on this earth to be yeah. the Terminator. He was yeah. sent back Ax. to us. Yeah, yeah. he really <laughs> was. From, the future. Yeah. Um, From future Austria. <laughs> My thing about this is I feel like a lot of people don't give Arnold enough credit. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people are like, well, he's a robot. He didn't have to do much. No, he had to do everything. He had to do 
In the first movie, I could understand that more. And I don't think Arnold's bad in the first movie. I think he actually does a really good job, especially because he wasn't... He's got really... the raw talent, kind of the, the raw actor aspect to the first movie. Yeah. There's like, mm -hmm. we picked this guy because he's got a look. Let's yeah. just use the look. Yeah. And this is like, let's do more with him. Yeah, I mean, this one, he had to, he had to be a learning robot, which was an unprecedented part, really. Yeah. But, and, and the thing with this is like, you had to kind of not lose that menace <clears throat> because programmed differently, he would just kill them all. Yeah. So you had, to, you had to keep that menace from the first movie, but have this learning element and this kind of emotional, like sweet learning element. Because he yeah. bonds with John Connor in a kind of parental sort of way that yeah. is, on paper, kind of sounds silly. I, it I mean, does. It's very silly on paper, but on screen it's really good. I don't remember it being oh. that kind of poignant. When there's that voiceover, Linda Hamill's voiceover about how he's the best father yeah. that John will ever have and he'll never leave him and stuff, I'm like, ugh. On paper, that probably sounded real silly, too. Yeah. <laughs> but by the end, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That works. Like, it's still... Absolutely. It still kind of blows me away when I watch it. Because I don't, like... Nothing against Arnold, because I don't want him to kill me, but I don't... I've never thought he was the greatest actor in the world. But really, you said it best. He's... This is his role. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I guarantee you, he had to think in his mind this whole time... Don't show emotion. He that was a, a detent. Oh, yeah. He's not like Arnold, stiff Arnold. That's, that's yeah. a common, plays the role like, naturally, but kind of myth people play in their I mind think that so. this is easy unless you kind of understand that something like this. It's harder to be stoic. Yeah, it's tougher to display a little emotion, but just enough versus melodrama and maudlin. Like you, you can. It's easy to go crazy and yeah. wild and be like, I'm emoting everywhere. It's it's got to be restrained, and that's tough. Restraint is tough. Yeah. And he does a good job of reminding the audience that he is a murdering robot at many points in the movie. Oh, like, yeah, they right. remind you every step of the way that yeah, that he, he's the only a Terminator. He's killing people yeah. is because he was told not to. Right. right. But he is very capable of murdering everyone around him. Yeah. Right. I mean, as a kid, it always kind of bothered me that he didn't <laughs> murder everybody. As an adult, I can appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, maybe, nuance. Yeah. <laughs> But as, like, as a kid, he's like, I'm going to take care of the cops. I'm like, yeah, go to... Oh, he's not going to kill any of them? Right. And, yeah, now I really love that scene because it's even yeah. more uh, poignant. Like, yeah, he, he shot up the place with a minigun, which I only learned as an adult that that's not a gun a human being can hold. Well, he's a robot. Well, he's yeah, a robot. he's a robot. <laughs> so I always thought, like, yeah, anybody can just pick up a minigun. And then yeah. later on, I was like, no, that's supposed to be a tripod weapon. Yeah. I see. He's holding that because he's a badass. Yeah. yeah. But then not kill any of them, any of the cops. That was always really cool. Yeah, he just sort of scares them away a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. but only really a little bit. He really just kind of bought them a few minutes. Yeah, but there's still a few minutes they needed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very necessary. And he, he there's a good quote in that scene. There's a good quote. Uh, there's a good quote. I won't spoil it. Yeah. Every scene. This movie is very quotable. I know, it's as so good. you can find from pretty much all pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention with his uh, with his character, we've talked to character performance and whatnot, is I really like the the look of him in this one. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really the iconic Terminator. Like, you go back to the first movie, and he kind of looks a little, I don't want to say dumb, but no, like... it looks bad. Yeah. It, Let's it, be honest. When yeah. At the end of the movie, the first movie, when his part of his face gets oh, torn away, yeah. that special effect is bad. Yeah. You know? they, they just, you can tell that they, they tried with the budget that they had, which wasn't a lot back yeah. then. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, everything down to like the clothes he's wearing in the first one, it just kind of felt a little too cheesy. It's yeah. very much like, this is menacing bad guy robot, beware of bad guy robot. Right. And this one, they, they did a really good job trying to make him look like a badass. Mm -hmm. And even with like the levity of like playing bad to the bone the first time he walks oh, out, like, it's, like it's, it's all, but it's all good and it all works. And I love the sunglasses, I love everything about it. Yeah. So the first movie, the Terminator's wearing the clothes of the time. He basically kills... Um, 
Is it Bill Paxton? I remember who. I think it's Bill Paxton. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's Bill Paxton's first movie ever. Is Blue really? Bear, and he gets killed in it. Oh, I don't. I gotta um, go back and watch that now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he kills him, and he takes his clothes, and he looks like an idiot the whole time. But he looks like a product of the '80s. He's wearing all yeah, right. of his '80s clothes. Yeah. In this one, he looks like a product of like a biker gang in the early '90s. Yep. Mm-hmm. But in the third one, it takes place in I think it was 2003, mm-hmm. and he still looks like a biker from the '90s. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they're doing the same thing with the next one. Like now, it takes place. I don't remember when this next one takes place, but he still looks like a biker from the '90s. Again, you could you could draw a very interesting discussion, even another podcast, or even a paper out on just this how we've lost the ability to kind of put a timestamp on our on our characters and on our franchises. Yeah, yeah. We're still beholden to the time they came out with, came out in, but that was a different time, a different fashion, a different mm. uh, well, sensibility. You can make a really good argument about Jurassic World not doing that. Good. Could be part of the reason why we didn't like, why we liked it as much as we did. Yeah, but but yeah, even yeah. and and they they did a good job of. Like we're all worried about genetics and like so those movies that kind of pick the concern of the time, pick the aspects yeah. of the time that worry us and make us wonder about things. That that's was... gonna be the best part. Whereas yeah. this this franchise kinda does hasn't hasn't figured that out for the modern. Well no, and that's part of the problem when you lose James Cameron. Yeah. Um they certainly I mean they had the, the fear of that was the time period for the fear of technology and artificial intelligence. So that was appropriate. Yeah. Trying oh, to yeah. make one ten years later, maybe it didn't hit yeah. home as much. And then yeah, like you said, Losing James Cameron. Uh, I mean, he tied up the second movie. He, that was obviously supposed oh, to be the end of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, it, and it works. Yeah, it was it, so good. Yeah, it, It's like the Matrix. I'll pretend there's one Matrix movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll pretend there's two Terminator movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll watch all of them. And I'll sure, I'll, I'll yeah, check yeah. them out. But <laughs> yeah. I won't you know, hold yeah. any anything in my heart for them, for no. sure. No, but yeah, he does do a good job of closing the story, making yeah. it its yeah. own. and. But before we move on to just talking about James Cameron, because I, I we have to have a discussion about James Cameron, I feel we need to talk about the other Terminator at least a little bit. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was good. Yeah. Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. <laughs> I scary always, as shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about him is, I've watched like a lot of the behind the scenes and like the making ofs and all that sort of because I'm obsessed with the movie. Um, but I like that he and James Cameron kind of worked on the character together. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like James Cameron came up with this character and wrote this character and went, this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They sat down together and like, now how are we going to make him more terrifying and more dangerous than the first Terminator? Because the yeah. first Terminator is a horrifying robot. Mm-hmm. Like, so what are we going to do different that's going to make him a little bit more? And I liked all the subtle things that they did to make him more scary. Like, the, um, the animal that he studied the most was bald eagles. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. He liked the way that they, they searched for their prey, like by like his head movements and everything like that. And he thought that would be like a really fun thing to kind of bring into the character. Yeah. Yep. And I like that he put like those little things that he put into this movie were great. Yeah, because by just based on like personal, just physical appearance, without knowing what they're capable of, you're looking at Arnold. You're like, he's way more intimidating. Yeah. yeah. But you just he makes one movement, the T1000, and you're just like, wait, there's something that's. Nah, that guy's fucking oh, dangerous. He, yeah. You know what he nailed is that uncanny valley where he doesn't quite move like a human. Yeah. He moves like a robot almost more than Arnold does in yeah. this movie. It's so brilliant. Well, I feel like, I mean, you could make the argument there that Arnold was built to move like a human. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they say that he, they, the Terminators were specifically made to infiltrate and destroy. Mm-hmm. So he needs to be believable as a human. I don't think the T-1000s were ever built to infiltrate. No. And they don't ever go into it, but I mean, clearly they're damn near indestructible. Yeah. Right. So they are there just to destroy. Right. right. And the thing that I loved about him so much, not not necessarily, <coughs> well, actually both of them, is that they made him, he could infiltrate. Yeah. Way better than Terminator. Yeah. Like, he, when he wants to be a human, he 
you buy it. Yeah. Like when he walks in, like the especially he, a cop. Yeah. When yeah. he's talking to uh, the the foster parents. Yeah. He seems like a normal dude. Yeah. yeah. Or in the arcade too. Yeah. Talking to the kids. Yeah, he just seems like a normal guy, just like just mm-hmm. a cop, just doing his job. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until like uh, you found your target that he's like done with this. He yeah. shoves that kid out of the way. Yeah, yeah I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, because that's when you start to see the switch in his personalities too. Because it's like he, he found the target, yeah. and now that's all that matters. Yeah. Now it, that he's located it, it's like this is what his main purpose is. So it's like whatever hard drive or whatever his program to do. Yeah. That's what kicks into gear. Yeah. As soon as like target acquired, it's like yeah. all this bullshit of pretending to be a human is just gone. Yeah. And they, and they figured it out, a way to make him feel like the next version. And they really amplify that in this. Oh, Less yeah. so than in the other ones where you're like, okay, we're just doing more versions of Robert Patrick. Right. Yeah. But in this, it felt like, okay, Arnold is clearly version one. This guy's version two. Here's what uh, you know, Skynet has learned from version one and have improved upon. And they did that to a scary extent. Oh, yeah. And it's a realist. Like, it still works today based off of how our technology works. Yeah. And I love that it, the special effects for his character don't take me out of the movie even 20 years later. No. No. It's, they do a surprisingly good job standing up. Yeah. Um, which is another thing that I, I want to, when we get into James Cameron, I want to talk about because he did something really amazing with this film. Um, but I, talking just about the special effects and about the character is when I was a kid and I first saw this thing, first off, I mean, I mean, I probably saw it, I'm guessing, maybe 95, probably like a few mm-hmm. years after it came out when it was finally hitting like TV syndication yeah. and whatnot. Right. Um, but it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. Like a dude made out of liquid metal was one of the most, like that sequence, that mm-hmm. first time when he walks out of the fire and he's just all oh, I know. liquid metal, like mm-hmm. that was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. And it's so far and away better than seeing the Terminator skeletons walking on their own. The, the puppetry oh, yeah. at the beginning and the first movie, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even in the puppetry in the beginning of this one. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean... Oh, I don't think you ever saw the, the naked skeleton in the first movie, right? Yeah, you did. That's what's chasing her through the factory. Ah, the end of the yeah, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, terrible. Well, it, was stop, it was stop motion animation. Yeah. They did what they could. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it looks kind of like, oh, okay, now I know I'm... Now it's kind of cheesy and fun, but yeah. whatever. Well, there's a reason why when someone kind of recommends this, I'm like, watch this first one so you can get to the second one, right. which does all these interesting things. I still, I still tend to watch them in the other order. Watch two first, then watch the first one. Oh, yeah. I think it's more interesting to see where she was before it. I would, I would argue just in terms of the mythology building, the first one's still a good first one to watch because then you're kind of yeah. still moving upward. Mm-hmm. I could see it. But I still say watch it. <laughs> well, you just want to watch the second one. That's it. I do. I just yeah. love the second one. <laughs> Depends on uh, if you think they're going to like the first one. If I'm talking to someone who's not a big sci-fi robot fan, I'm going to say watch the second one. Yeah, yeah. just skip the first one. And if you one, like you it, then watch the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, back to the T-1000. I, I like that um, it's something that they're kind of throwing caution to the wind with the new one coming out. But I always got the feeling that although he was able to split himself up they don't really ever use that in a way that's kind of... Like, it never feels cheesy. Like, it kind of feels like he needs to be together to be the full robot. And, like, yeah. mistakes happen, like, when he loses the chunk of his arm and it goes back into his foot. Mm-hmm. But it never feels... I, I like I like that it still felt like he was just one solid mass of oh, yeah. just danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I've seen the trailer in the new one where he turns his arm into, like, a javelin and then throws it. I'm like, that's kind of... Hmm. It's a little dumb. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll still see the movie. I'm still excited for that one because it's, like, it's you, Terminator. It just speaks to the lack... I mean... It may, it may just be a trailer thing, but it does speak to lack of just understanding the mechanics and the logic of machines in this in this series. For well, the new one. I mean, well, for why me, would... Because why would Robert Patrick in this one throw a piece of himself if 
the kind of the collective whole is what makes him what he, you know what I mean there, yeah, there's, yeah. Like, there's all these things that this movie gets so right I always assumed he needed to have all of his metal to like keep to, working you yeah know? and for me like, even if that wasn't the case it's still like I mean granted I haven't seen the new one yet so I mean it's impossible it's not out yet but if he's that much more terrifying without having projectiles yeah. I, I mean I think that there's something to be said yeah. about that like they made this character totally terrifying only if you're within like a 10 foot radius mm -hmm. but you're constantly afraid that you're going to be within that 10 foot radius and he, they make Robert Patrick so agile that yeah. he is going to get you like the way that he runs the way that like he like but then he is damn near impossible to the, get away from the problem is that this is a movie about like future fighting robots and a javelin is supposed to be intimidating they all like laser guns come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so with that, I think it'd be a good time to bring up James Cameron. Although we've been saying his name. Um, Who's this he's guy? He's James Cameron, the bravest pioneer. Um, what's, he, what's he done? Is that what I should open this episode with, that South Park song? Yeah. You should. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love, I mean, I love James Cameron. I, I have not seen a movie made by James Cameron that I went, meh. Like, even, like, my not favorite films of his, like, uh, say, True Lies, which I think is good. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, it's good a one. good movie. It's not my favorite, but it's yeah. kind of like, it's like pizza. Like, if you're saying yeah. that for pizza, even if it's shitty pizza, it's still pizza. Yeah, it's still pizza. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that James Cameron is all about not doing sequels unless they are warranted. Mm -hmm. And he has always been very adamant about that. He's like, if it's not going to be good, I don't know why I'd bother making it. That's why he never made Terminator 3. That's why right. he never bothered. Or he's Titanic like, 2. Well, it's because it's not directors that necessarily get attached to their characters. It's the, the corporate entities who are like, well... Let's make another Terminator movie because the people who like the second one will automatically come see this one. And, you know, James Cameron is a true artist, so he doesn't yeah. fall into that. Yeah. But even, even if he weren't a true artist, he was operating on a logic in this narrative that, like, the third one, as you get to more of these Terminator movies, you start to get into this weird, like, logic, pro like, this weird logic thing that you have to keep fixing and revising. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start to break, you start to really kind of bring to the forefront the weakness of time travel. Oh, it's as dangerous. A, it's dangerous. Yeah. And, He's, he's, he's a smart guy, so he knows that. Like yeah. Having it end concisely on this makes it a very impactful two movies. But just about James Cameron making this film, and I love that, like we were saying earlier, he doesn't make a film unless he feels that it's going to be better than the first one. Mm -hmm. And the way that he decided to do that with this one was to make it just bigger in absolutely every way. Like, from the action sequences of the characters, like, okay, so there's one Terminator in the first one, fucking two in this one. Yeah. We have one hero in the first one, fucking two in this one. And, like, they just do everything to make it bigger and grander, like, the explosions, the action. But they didn't go and, over the top. It wasn't like, let's yeah, put in exactly. an army of Terminators. It's, yeah. let's put exactly. in one scarier Terminator. Well, that's yeah. kind of almost encapsulated in the scene where they're chasing each other in the culvert. The culvert, you know, like, mm -hmm. yep. but the whole thing is, like, that's not a very grand chase in terms of where they are location-wise. Right. It's just a culvert. Like, like you know, like, our L.A. River. Yeah. And... But it's so action-packed, so energetic, and so much more than the first movie. Like, it, it takes something simple and keeps it contained. Whereas, like, the chase in, like, the third one where they're just on the street just feels yeah. so over the top. And, like, yeah. oh, this yeah. is too much. And that's... She drive, her driving the truck's too much. This is, like, this makes sense. But here's the thing. So, in what world is there a semi-race with a fucking dirt bike and a motorcycle <laughs> down the L.A. River not considered over the top and ludicrous. And how and, and, and he does but, that in a practical world. Yeah, but that's <laughs> but that's why James Cameron is yeah. that good because yeah. he made that grounded. Like that right. is that is ridiculous. Like, he got to keep all the damage to mostly structural, like through the the river parts. You know, the, the semi drives off the bridge. That yeah. was awesome. It wasn't until the end the semi blows itself up. Now we're like also desensitized to action. It's like we wouldn't even 
bat an eye at that scene if there weren't buildings blowing up on either side yeah. of the street now. Mm-hmm. But some, you know, but some, I feel like that still, but that sequence still holds up. Absolutely. Like if right. you were to show a kid that sequence now, that sequence is still like, holy god, like what? he's gonna get run over. But yeah. then, and it's awesome. Like yeah. that's that. Well, it's an awesome David and Goliath scene too. I mean, how oh, yeah. drastically different can you well, get aside from a semi and a dirt bike? Yeah. That's another thing <laughs> in this movie is that, to James Cameron's credit for this movie, he packs all the action with more information than just it being an action sequence, which the later movies don't seem to do because you've yeah. got the David and Goliath thing. There's yeah. a, no. the the insurmountable, like the big force. The big force of nature coming after John Connor is so big. Yeah. The future is going to be so big. It's that semi truck. There's like all these layers that he packs into it. Oh, yeah. It just it doesn't have to be a super complicated chase scene, and it's not a super complicated one. They're just driving on the strip. Yeah. But it's packed with so much, and James Cameron is I think he's to to blame for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, all the way down to like that last action sequence in the uh, the steel mill of danger. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, the most dangerous the steel best mill. sets I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a shitty place to work. Right. Oh my god, that is the most dangerous. Now you understand unions, right? <laughs> <laughs> They well, actually like, showed that movie, Terminator 2, as yeah. like a training video for the <laughs> training video. And they, they're like, what's wrong with this? Uh, that, <laughs> that Ford wouldn't be on without a union operator there yeah. standing by. Yeah. <laughs> Unions, thumbs up! <laughs> it has been this many days since we've had a Terminator outside. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that se- Like James Cameron did such a good job building that sequence as, again, believable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still like, yeah, I bet these people just run out of here with no regard for any of the equipment they're leaving behind. Yeah, just leave it Absolutely. all on. I'm getting well, the and, fuck out of here. And why do we love these movies in, in their action sense versus anything modern is because it is so important and so hard to ground your action in something that is grounded so then you can go kind of farther with it. You have yeah. to start at zero before you can get to... Oh, you, you have to build that kind of foundation. And... We kind of skip the foundation for the kind of the spectacle. Like we've turned action into porn almost. Yeah, absolutely. And like, but like the spectacle of this one, like the the final action sequence where I mean, it's just basically a boxing match. Yeah. Know, where one guy severely loses. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it's not really like. I mean, the the Arnold really loses that fight in a big way. The only yeah. reason oh, yeah. why he wins at the end is because he got lucky. Yeah. He's lucky that he had a, a hard system reboot and was able to come back and do it. But yeah, I, right. It, do you think that was like a. Maybe a, a poorly missed mark of like it's actually his like heart or something that reboots his system because he's like so dedicated to John Connor. Do you think there's a reason that the Terminator just restarts itself after it gets punched through the middle? I mean, I have a feeling that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, which is kind of lame, but whatever. Yeah, it didn't really hit that mark. But it's well, still no, a really if you cool want, scene, if you yeah. want to read kind of a myth, like a myth, like a, a mystical element into it, into yeah. the robots, because. You kind of have to with these sci-fi and machines. Oh, like there's 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 a, a ghost in the machine. Yeah, yeah. You could actually put that into this. That's how I always yeah. felt about that sequence. Yeah. yeah. But I almost, uh, to be honest with you, it's like if Sarah Connor had one more shotgun shell, she didn't need him. I, I yep. almost think the only reason he came back to life is because it was the '90s and you couldn't have the main character die and the 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 female save the day. No, I think I, I think, think but they I think wanted it was that goodbye. They, they, they really oh, wanted yeah, that yeah, goodbye. Yeah. I mean, that's the other point too. Yeah, but. Uh, and the only reason he, I mean, it's such a cool shot where he rides up on that gear. Yeah. The gun, but you didn't need it. I mean, no. she had him dead to rights. She did. If yeah. she had one more shot, yeah. she'd won. She could have thrown that gun at him and knocked him into that lava. And I think... I'm it, honestly, I'm almost more surprised that she didn't just dive into him. Oh, yeah. I, I actually... That's what probably would have happened. But yeah. it was so cool to watch her just pump oh, him full of lead. Like, yeah, that, that she's got the great wounded shot. arm and she mm-hmm. just keeps... Cocking yeah, the shotgun with one arm. I hope no one Googled how shotguns work, but yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool scene. Yeah. Again, it's one of those like 
in the moment, yeah. totally buy it. Absolutely. It's not until afterwards, like, eh, I don't think that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. it doesn't really work like that, but okay. It's um, fine, go ahead. It was so cool. Uh, my other favorite thing, just again, talking about how James Cameron can keep things grounded, but how he, he starts at zero and goes to fucking 11. Yeah. That entire chase sequence into the steel mill when he's in the helicopter flying <laughs> under bridges. Oh, yep, yeah. And they couldn't find a fucking helicopter pilot to do it. That sequence got held up so many times when pilots were like, no. No, no, no fucking way. Yeah. Well, let's contrast that with like uh, a couple episodes, a few episodes ago with, um, uh, shoot, what's that spy movie? Uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Where they had like a helicopter in a train tunnel. Right. You know, and, and there's two interesting interesting scenes to kind of put side by side. Yeah. Yeah. And that, as much as I like Mission Impossible, this one felt very grounded while it still goes to 11. Yeah. Because they did the, it. Well, because right? they did it. Yeah. They fucking went out and got a pilot. Eventually they got someone who was like, well, I guess I don't really like life that much. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> YOLO. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the idea of a helicopter, although terrifying, going under an uh, underpass is somewhat realistic, where it's like, I feel like that could yeah. happen. A helicopter well, going down a tunnel. Yeah. There's a lot more... But even the, even if you compare the two directors, because you got De Palma and, yeah. and Cameron on this, they're doing two different approaches to it. Yeah. Where De Palma's like, fuck it. This is, you know, we're going crazy here. Yeah. And then James Cameron's got that little, that basis of like, this, this still needs it's to be grounded. grounded in real. I feel like, yeah. you, what, like, it's like you said, in that moment, you can believe that he's, uh, the character's flying that helicopter. He's like, YOLO, and he only has to land <laughs> that one punch, goes under the underpass, and it's safe. He's not maintaining, like, yeah, he's not maintaining a, mile a mile of a train But that's train just Gene Reno, right? Yeah. He's actually yeah. a really great <laughs> helicopter pilot. Yeah. But it, on paper, write down all the crazy things that happen in that, that yeah. third and final act. <laughs> and look at that list, and you're just like, what the fuck is this movie? It's going to be and the, the most watch... expensive R-rated movie of all yeah. time. <laughs> and, then, sure. and then you watch it, and you're like, yeah, It whatever. works great. It, it yeah. looks yeah. great. Yeah. Which... I mean, I can't keep saying that it's to his credit more than I already have, but I mean, any other director, I feel like that would have been fumbled in a yeah, huge way. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so impressive that he made all of this complete Looney Tunes action feel yeah. believable and grounded. Like, yeah. that's yep. amazing. And I can't emphasize enough how hard that is. Yeah. Like, and yeah. still balancing the really good story, yeah. the char- character arcs of, what, all three, four characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, he did quite a balancing act. He did, and it, it, it paid off in a big yeah. way. It made my favorite movie of all time. So. Every scene was great. Every action sequence yeah. topped the last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I like that, I mean, uh, this one still had a, it said based on designs by Stan Winston, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but other than the T-1000, they didn't really have to make much new stuff for this, but it still felt new and fresh. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, you, we could do it almost, an, I could talk for two hours on just the T-1000 himself. But yeah, the characters are what made this movie feel fresh, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. They, they added John, they added the T-1000. And they really added new Sarah Connor. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it might be the same actress, but it was really... Different character. Yeah. Completely I mean, different character. She's had a huge change in her life. And yeah. Friendly Arnold. And it's friendly, friendly yeah. Arnold. They all yeah. made... I mean, it's funny how these switches. people came back. I mean, even the, uh, the psychiatrist is the same guy. Yeah. He's the only one who shows up in, I think, three, uh, the original trilogy. He's the only oh, yeah. in all three of them. He's not the best, but whatever. Um, uh, is there anything else that we need to hit on this thing? I know I can talk about this thing. For, soundtrack for is fucking, amazing. Oh soundtrack my is amazing. God. I forgot how great the soundtrack was. Yeah. I mean, it, I kind of take the soundtrack for granted because it's my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> but not even not even just that the iconic part is, is great and memorable, but the chase sequences have a very energetic soundtrack to them that I didn't remember them having. Yeah. Like they, it's, they use a lot of percussion and like percussion yeah, and yeah. beats. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you just don't see that like. It's energetic. Mm-hmm. Just the audio itself, you have like they have long takes on these action sequences. The editing is kind of slow. If you take the audio out, right. 
it's a really slow chase scene. Yeah. But this, this beat, there's, there's just like this beat that just keeps mm -hmm. going, this whir, this hum, very machine-like. Yeah. Which, again, they understand, like, everyone involved understands kind of what the whole movie's about as they put it into these individual elements. This is a term that uh, has, like, escaped me, and, and I used to say, like, uh, in high school and, and younger than that, I didn't know what the word cinematography meant, so I couldn't tell you what a movie with good cinematography means. This is one of the the movies that really stands out to me is one with good pacing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like it slows down, you know, it's action-packed in the beginning, you get that cool scene with Arnold, uh, you get that really intense uh, sequence in the mental hospital, then it slows down as they go out, you get some voiceover, you get like the meeting the family, yep. and then back into the action, and uh, every beat is right on. Every action sequence is like, we've just gotten just enough break since the last one. It's got that, like, it's got that old school pacing that like, a lot of films today are severely missing. Absolutely. I really, I, I really miss the pacing. And yeah. I, I feel like it's something that's kind of slowly coming back into films now. Like, people seem to be kind of wanting it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I think everyone liked Godzilla as much as they did mm -hmm. uh, last year when that came out. Because it didn't, it wasn't just wall-to-wall -wall action. Suddenly we had a summer blockbuster that had pacing. For all its yeah. weaknesses, I liked that it was slow. Yeah, slow but, as hell. And I was like, that really left it meditative, contemplative, mm -hmm. in ways that if you just just been monsters fighting, yeah. it wouldn't have been. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like like this movie, again, for my money, is like that. That's what you gotta hit. Like it's mm -hmm. that perfect level. Like when the valleys don't feel like we're just taking a breather. Yeah. Like you actually feel like something's happening. So it's yeah. not like you're just like, oh, good, the action's done. I'm gonna go grab popcorn right now. I'll be right, right back. It's like no, well, you still want to sit there and you still want to be engaged. But there's a natural kind of desire to get to these action beats to kind of make these things cool and do cool moments because of the generation that we are now and who, all these people who grew up. So we're afraid to kind of slow it down. You don't need all the action sequences you could possibly shoot out onto the screen. Like you don't right. need them. Like this movie has the right balance of action sequences. Roughly about one for each act. Roughly. Yep. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's all you need. You could even get with one less. Like you can pace it out. Yeah, and but you we're also scared. Like it's it's just a natural thing. Like a natural, we're, we've become so saturated with action. Yeah, and even the comic book film, like all of these kind of things that these trends that we're doing now, have just kind of built over time to where we're kind of yeah. it's our it's our fault. And yeah. it, it does build over time. Like um, the the action sequences, like the T one thousand, the first time you see him and, and Arnold get in a fight, uh, that that just quick couple beats where Arnold's got the shotgun in a box of roses and he like. Yep saves John, and then they get out. It's not this huge fight that takes place, and then Arnold and John are beaten down, and they have to, you know, well, change. Well, where they're, they're slamming each other into the walls in that little small corridor. Yeah. Contrast that with Terminator 3, where they have this extended scene where they're fighting each other in a bathroom. Yeah. That about, like, kind of, you know, two minutes in, I'm just like... Uh, yeah, it got uh, out of that fight quick enough that yeah. we didn't need it. And they never really get into 50, 50 cuffs again until the end of the film. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like you don't need to see them duke it out this many times. Because we saw what happens when they did. Yeah. yeah. They don't spend 30 minutes punching each other through buildings at the end yeah. of the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, Alright, so I feel like we should move on to the end of this thing. As much as I'd love to sit here and talk about it absolutely all day. Alright, so we'll move on to quotes real quick. But I'm going to go first so I'm going to take one of the obvious ones. Yeah. Okay. I can go last. I have several. Uh, I have to go to the one that, for me, always gets like my my blood pumping. Like I am so excited right now. It was in the first movie. It's in the second one. Now it's in all of them because uh -huh. it has to be. But either way, like it's this moment where it's like I'm in a fucking Terminator movie. I'm so excited right now. Mm. It's come with me if you want to live. Yeah, of course. Yep. It's classic. Everyone it is, everyone says it too. And 
to the point where we don't even realize like we're saying it. Oh yeah, the reference is that entranced. Mm -hmm. it, and it is such a. It was great with Kyle Reese. Mm -hmm. Great, mm -hmm. like uh, Michael Bean did a great job with it. He just, he nailed it. It was a great moment. It was a very intense moment. But there's something about the way Arnold did it in this one that made it that line. Yeah. Yep. Like it was great because it was a callback. But even mm -hmm. if you haven't seen the first one, you still know at that moment like. It's a good line. This is great. <laughs> yeah. like, that's that's. I mean, they even like, they use it in the fucking Lego movie. Come with me if you want to not die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, the one I kind of keyed in on in this this rewatch was actually kind of a, a sideline as as um, John Connor's teaching the Terminator kind of how to speak, like how to kind of match humans, like <laughs> hey, you know, learn to talk like us. It's such a good scene. And you know, there's the obvious Asla Visa baby, no problemo. Yeah. You, know, you don't say affirmative, but what. The line I like in this one is where he's like, you know, combine a few things, you know? Yeah. And he's like, mine. <laughs> oh, man. Mine. <laughs> and, and Arnold just says, chill out, dickwad. Dick <laughs> and I'm like, that is great because not only is that a great line, it actually kind of rounds, like, circles back to what we were saying about the action needing to sometimes chill out. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's almost kind of a, a, I would say, a kind of a, a call to the filmmakers to maybe chill out. Yeah. Yeah. A little well, bit. and it's fun because you, you can tell that he's still learning how yeah. to use the because he's combining things that do not work together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. He... I'll go ahead and I'll I'll get a, a weird one. Um. So this is it. I guess it takes a, a couple lines, but it's one of my favorite scenes that plays out in the movie, um, where John calls home, calls to his oh, foster right. parents, and it's just like this. Um. You know. I think. When does the audience learn that his foster parents are dead? It's before that the characters do. Uh, uh, for sure. No, no, no. You learn pretty much the same time. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it's as soon as he turns around and goes, there's something wrong. She's never this nice. And That's then, right. Yeah. That's when yeah. you know. And then he puts, yeah, so John uh, says that, puts Arnold on the phone, and uh, he says, what's the dog's name? Yeah. And uh, John tells him, oh, it's, it's Max. So Arnold says on the phone, what's wrong with Wolfie? And his foster parent, who's actually... The T-1000 says, oh, Wolfie's fine. And Arnold just slams down the phone and says, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only other one, that, I mean, there's a ton that are in this movie, but I mean, like, there, of course, there's, like, the Asta La Vista baby, and, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I don't know, it's just fun to watch him. Any of mine you want to borrow? Get um, out. That, I love that line. God, that's <laughs> Get out. <laughs> God, it's so scary. Oh, yeah, that's the good one. The, I need your clothes, boots, and motorcycle. The first line of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot to say please. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good moment. The uh, the one that I always come back to, that uh, not to have another quote, but I need it anyways, uh, it's my favorite because it was always my dad's favorite. Mm. I mean, out of everything in the movie, like, I'd sit down and watch this movie with my dad. The one part that my dad will crack up laughing every fucking time is when he's like, now you have to promise not to kill anyone. Yeah. Okay, and he gets off the bike and shoots the guy in the leg twice. Yeah. He'll live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a good line too, yeah. All right, so for the review system, I need you to describe a Terminator that reviews this film. Can be one from the film mm -hmm. or from any of the films if you want to, or just a Terminator that you could create that would be this film. I want to I want to take the uh, T-800. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. Describes Terminator 2 because okay. it's perfect. It's yep. classic. Uh, it's often emulated, never topped. Mm -hmm. um, and it just got worse from here on out. Because <laughs> to me, this movie is the Terminator. I mean, I'll just say, I, for me, it's the T1000. Because, I mean, you're right. 
for the T-800, he's perfect, but he's also yeah. in the first movie. This yeah. is just the right amount of escalation that I need mm-hmm. without it being too much, still enjoyable, action-packed, scary. Because, I mean, without the T-1000 yeah. in this movie, the movie is not scary. And I, I think that actually kind of gives me an idea of what I want to do for mine, where it's not so much the specific... Terminator, it's the, you know, like the robot you see at the beginning of Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. That kind of the endoskeleton mm-hmm. of the, t- the Terminators themselves. That endoskeleton kind of sets the tone for me in every, in all of it. So when you kind of, when, it, when the waters get muddied, whenever they go back to that, that skeleton, you're like, it's a movie about machines taking over. It's scary machines. And that endoskeleton in the very beginning is very scary. Yeah. Is that where you're going with yours? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know the proper term if, that, if endoskeleton's good enough. I'm going to you know, yeah. write that for the sure. notes, but that... It seems to be the perfect kind of description of the idea behind the Terminator series as a kind of fear of technology, a fear of... It's kind of an othering of robots. And you yeah. also remove the human aspect of it. Yeah. 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 And that, that's always kind of in the, fore, the back of your mind. And it's always kind of like, that's, how, that's why you put, it, they put it at the beginning. So you're always kind of thinking about it. It's kind of the context yeah, for all of machine, this. But it at is the end after. of the day, the framework of the movie is we should be afraid of the machines. Yeah. yeah. Even down to the, just the design is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And they well, did it's some, Sam Winston for you. It's Sam Winston. Yeah, but yeah like it just there's something. Not, it's great to have something so simple, just a shot of the face, convey mm-hmm. kind of everything you're supposed to. You're kind of supposed to feel and think and kind of ponder in terms of. Yeah, they did such a good job of making it look like a human skeleton, which already has the eerie, creepy feel to it, mm-hmm. and then they make it more menacing, make yeah. it metal. Yep. It's great. Red eyes. Red eyes. Glowy yeah. red eyes. Yeah. Red eyes. Even Beady the kind red of eyes. Yeah. The skeletal grin. Like, yeah. That's a, an important feature because Absolutely. when you strip us down to our, our, our bone structure, we're scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our innards are very scary. <laughs> uh, for mine, because John just took mine. Ooh. Oh, uh, man. I'm roll taking everything from yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, 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 don't worry. I can work on the fly. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to call it the T-801 is what I'm going to call it. Uh, it's basically the T-800, but if James Cameron was the the skin model. So imagine <laughs> okay. the T, T-800, t but replace Arnold's face with James Cameron's So what you're saying is a, a real life. Yes. <laughs> uh, the reason that I'm going with this one uh, is because I feel kind of like what Ryan was saying earlier, where like the, the T-800 is Terminator. Mm-hmm. And like it, it is exactly what Terminator should be. I mean, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. It's timeless. It is exactly, like, when you think Terminator, it's exactly what you think about. It is that model. But the problem is that I don't think we have any of that without James Cameron. Right. Mm-hmm. So James Cameron is Terminator and Terminator 2. And I, I feel if James Cameron were to pick a robot, mm-hmm. would he want to be the T-1000, which is this horrifying thing, or would he want to be the hero of his own film? Like, the redeemed hero. And I think James Cameron would probably want to be the T-800. He'd want to be that hero. He'd yeah. want to be the savior. And without him, I mean, in my mind, he's created... I never really said it throughout this uh, podcast, but he created the best action film ever made. And I can argue that till I'm blue in the face. Because a lot of people say <laughs> Die Hard. And Die Hard's great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love the shit out of Die Hard. But it all takes place in a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie has mobility to it. Mm-hmm. It goes everywhere and it does bigger and grander things. It crosses the genres. It, it, yeah, it, it exactly. Under, and it understands the subtext. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, not to be just saying Die Hard, but... No, because Die Hard is a fucking masterpiece. If you want to do but, something simple, popcorn, populist action that's really fun... Die Hard, yeah. yeah. But we want to be learning, as, as filmmakers, I feel like it would have been better to be teaching T2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, T2, it, like our, our schooling at Columbia should have taught us T2 instead of Die Hard. 
Exactly. That should have yeah. been the script we read. That should have been the movie we studied. Mm -hmm. But again, back to James Cameron as the Terminator, I think that he is damn near perfect for this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like the T-800 is perfect for this film. Like, this movie does not exist without that robot, nor James Cameron. So James Cameron as the T-800, or T-101, if you will. Uh... All right, so with that, I'm going to bring this episode to a close. Next week, we have a sequel episode. It's our first sequel episode of all time. Really? What does that yeah. mean? Uh, We're doing a sequel to an episode we did earlier. What? Yeah, we have never done this before. 101, wow. breaking down that's barriers. A, yeah, it's an unprecedented event. Huh. It is a sequel to our James Bond episode. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so the first time we did James Bond episode, we only had uh, one other guy here, and I'm going to do my best to get him back. He's been busy on Saturday, so it's been a little tough, but we're going to try to get him back next week. Uh, and then we're going to be off for a couple of weeks, and I apologize, but I have to go on my honeymoon. Uh, it, it's been ugh. two years since I got you. married, so so we're going to be off for a little while after that. Uh, it's actually, we're almost going to be off for nearly an entire month, so I apologize, but, but we will be back for a couple episodes and we have to take another week off, but you know, whatever. I'll be back. I'm, I'm going to make like a Terrence and Philip cartoon version of the yeah. podcast to put up in the meantime for you. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> anyone in the meantime wants to put like cut together a clip show, the best of the best of. I don't want to do. I don't have time. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. If someone Brian's else wants going to, do to be it, on his honeymoon. Yeah. yeah. If someone else wants to do it, we will gladly air it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but until then, we still have one more episode until our big break. So, thank you to Brad for coming on, Woo! Ryan for coming on, and thank you very much. Hundred episodes down. Hopefully, hundred more. All right. All right. Bye. Hasta la vista, dickwad. <laughs> <laughs>